episode 62. I'm Jessica Duffin and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. I can't believe that my ebook that I've been wanting to write for four years is nearly finally with us. I'm still almost like hesitant. Is it actually even going to happen? Because it's been such a crazy ride to get it done. Um, But it is um, and it will be with you guys in just a couple of weeks so if you are interested in getting your hands on it you can sign up to my newsletter um, the link to that is in the show notes and you'll be the first to hear when it's out and you will also be getting a special discount yeah the the book the first half of the book is all about nutrition for endometriosis everything that I have learned for um eating well with endo from my women's health coaching course all of my research and my personal experience and then the second half is all recipes and I will obviously tell you more about that in the next couple of weeks but if you want to kind of make sure that you get it early and get the discount then you can sign up via my newsletter and feel free to email me any questions you have about the book as well. This episode is sponsored by my friends at BU. BU are the people helping you to reduce your period pain with nature. They provide quality, pure CBD balms, drops and sprays, as well as their incredible period patches, which you guys know I love. Some of you have asked what's the best way to get the most out of your patches. Just like most things with endometriosis, everyone is different. So you need to find a method that works for you. But many have written in to say that they find applying the patches a day or so before their period helps to soothe and calm the inflammation before their period even starts. I tend to wear them one to two days before my period so that I can get, um, well, I I get a bit of backache. So that really helps to ease that. And as a result, I find that the pain is much, if I get pain, it's a lot more subtle when my period does start. They come in a pack of five, so should last for the majority of your period. And you can subscribe so you can get them every month. They're $6.99 for a pack or $4.99 if you go for a subscription. To shop, just head to the link in my show notes and start soothing period cramps the natural way. This episode is also sponsored by my free endometriosis diet grocery list. This free download gives you an overview of the endometriosis diet and eating for your hormones, tips on shopping for endo on a budget and deep dives into everything I eat on a weekly basis every month. I've also provided my favourite resources for learning more about nutrition for endo if you want to go that bit further. This download is a really perfect way to get an understanding of an anti-inflammatory diet for endometriosis and what that might look like. As always, this guide doesn't replace your medical treatment and it's not intended to treat or cure endometriosis, but it provides you with options that help me to live well with endometriosis. And it's here to inspire you to shop maybe a little bit differently and try different foods out. It's not a diet protocol, so it's not a diet that you should be following you know to a t perfectly this is my personal diet and it's here to serve you and inspire you and give you some ideas and see what eating for endo is like in real life 
to download, just head to the show notes and follow the link to get your copy. Cool. So today's guest is Shannon Leparski. Um, I've been so excited to get this one to you guys. Shannon is the plant-based women's health expert who's helping people to balance their hormones and manage conditions like endometriosis through good nutrition. Shannon's new book, The Happy Hormone Guide, offers a plant-based nutrition and lifestyle cycle syncing plan that supports every single phase of your cycle. The whole point is to help readers to have better periods and ease hormonal symptoms like PMS and brain fog. In her book, she breaks down the best foods to stock up for on like the follicular, ovulatory, luteal and menstrual phases and she includes recipes for each phase. I am obsessed with this book. I I actually have an ebook version. So <laughs> I take, I, I have the pictures, I took um, screenshots of the lists, the food shopping lists and they're on my phone. So whenever I go food shopping, depending on which phase of the cycle I'm in, I will buy the foods on that list. If you want to understand more about the nutrients that you need and the foods that support each phase specifically, then this interview is so for you. Um, I eat a plant-based diet for endometriosis and I have had questions over the years related to eating this way because I know that eating more plants leads to lower inflammation. We know that the vegan diet, the paleo diet, vegetarian, Mediterranean, all have been linked to lowering lowering inflammation. And a big component of that is the fact that it's all about eating more fruit and veg. But I have wondered, like, am I getting enough iron? Am I getting the right amount of B vitamins? What about omega fatty acids? So this episode really breaks down the key nutrients that we need for good hormonal health, whether you're plant-based or not, they're exactly the same. Um, obviously you just, you might need to get them in a different way if you are following a plant-based diet. Um, I also want to state that we're all different. So some people do better eating grains, others don't. Some people do better on a plant-based diet, others do better on a paleo diet. It's all about our genetics and our body's needs and our values and our lifestyles. And it's totally okay for us to do things differently when it comes to managing endo. So there's no judgment when this comes in, in this podcast episode. You do exactly what feels right for you. Um, but obviously, I hope we're all eating um, vegetables and fruits. So this is a great interview to learn what plant-based foods can help you specifically with your hormones and reducing inflammation in your body. In this episode, we dive into how to create a hormone-healthy meal, what to eat in each phase of our cycle, and what nutrients are essential for good hormonal health. We even actually list the food groups for each phase of your cycle. So if you have a pen and paper to hand, this is the one to make notes. Um, So yeah, I hope you enjoy it. I think you're going to find the interview fascinating. And here she is. So... I always start every guest with getting them to tell us about their journey, usually with endometriosis, but um, obviously your kind of story isn't about endo and more about your hormonal health. So could you tell us about, yeah, what what was happening with you and your hormones? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's been a roller coaster, um, that's for sure. I think it all started when I, with my first period back in seventh grade. Um, and being sort of thrown off and not knowing what to expect, um, and just having terrible PMS symptoms, um, cramping. I, this is when my acne started and my really oily skin and hair and breast tenderness and constipation and 
insomnia. I mean, every PMS symptom under the sun, and I just didn't know why. Um, and everyone told me that this was normal and a part of being a woman. So I just, I dealt with it, even though it was awful. Um, so eventually I went on the birth control pill because that's what everyone in my high school was doing. Um, and my doctor promised me that it could provide me with clear skin, which was you know, my goal, because all the girls in high school, like I would just admire their clear skin. And I, I just had this awful, um, skin with so much acne and like cystic acne. And I had to wear a lot of makeup to cover it up. So I went on the pill. Um, it helped, but not so, not to the point that it was completely clear. So eventually I went on Accutane and that, you know, unfortunately is, a very harsh medication, but it really worked. Um, so I was on Accutane for about six months and while I was also on the pill and stayed on the pill through college, um, my skin was still just so, so like still not perfect. And after college, I started getting into green juices and that sort of sparked my interest in nutrition um, even though I studied health and fitness in college, there wasn't as much of a focus on nutrition. It was, it was more about fitness. So yeah, my, my interest in nutrition started and then I started thinking, oh, maybe I should get off birth control. Maybe like this isn't something good to be putting into my body anymore. So I went off the pill and my skin just went haywire. All of my PMS symptoms came back even worse than before. Um, and I had also gone vegan, like maybe six months before going off the pill. So everything was kind of a mess, but with the vegan lifestyle and starting to eat more plant-based foods and not as much processed foods, um, my skin started to get better. And eventually this led me to starting my blog and then eventually code, which introduced me to the cycle syncing. Um, and that's kind of how I got started on writing my book. So yeah, it's, it's all, it all started with PMS. <laughs> so what are your symptoms like now? Are you, are you kind of symptom free? Like, or do you, do you have to like manage them a lot? How, how does that look? Oh, wow. It's completely different. Um, my symptoms are very minimal. If anything, sometimes I experience um, like breast tenderness, but I think that's because I'm still going through this detox period with um, dealing with parasites and heavy metals and stuff. But wow, it's it's a total 180 and I don't experience mood swings anymore. I don't get headaches. Um, I sleep great. And my digestion is so much better. My skin is completely clear. So if if anything, it's like a little bit of breast tenderness and maybe, yeah, I, I mean, it's just so different. It's amazing. So you bought, the, you bought the book Women Code and that was kind of the beginning of the real kind of healing. Mm -hmm. What was that process like for you when you were following a plant-based diet? Yeah, so in the beginning, I was very set in my ways of eating because, you know, I thought I was so healthy. I was kind of eating the same things every day just because I, it made me feel good. Um, so once I started 
you know, switching up my foods for each phase of my cycle, it was difficult. And I could really only do maybe one or two foods per phase and add them in because I was so set in my ways. And now looking back, I realize I was probably missing out on so many um, nutrients. And this is why I think following the foods along with your cycle is so great to get a variety into your diet instead of sticking with the same foods that we like and we know we enjoy and we know how to cook. Um, so it was a process. It probably took between six to eight months to really find a groove and really incorporate a lot of the the plant-based foods that she would mention while also trying to figure out how can I still get my protein and get it in the right time of my cycle and still be vegan. Um, so it was a process, but I mean, it's amazing. And now I can't imagine living any other way. So she really changed my life. Yeah. I, I definitely felt such a difference when I, when I got that book, I mm-hmm. struggle with certain areas of it still. Um, so it'd be interesting to talk to you about that more as we go on. Um, so at what point, obviously it'd be great if you could tell us about your book, The Happy Hormone Guide, but at what point did you feel like, okay, I want to turn this into something that is more suitable for people who are following a plant-focused diet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was probably a year into it where I first came out with an ebook called The Hormone Healing um, Lifestyle Plan and that's, I think, how my publisher found me. But it all started with an ebook, and it was about a year into it. And it took me a really long time to create, but it did um, help a lot of women and just provided the vegan community with something to follow. Yeah, so a, a year into it. So, what does the book entail for people who are interested in in buying it? What What's kind of the Happy Hormone Guide about, and what are kind of the core pillars within that? Mm-hmm. So the first part is really just about rediscovering your body, learning how it works, learning about all the sense, um, systems and sort of what they need to run efficiently and smoothly. And then the second part is diving into each phase of your cycle and with the foods and the right nutrition and supplements, um, the different kind of workouts that are best and like some fun things like face and hair masks and essential oils that might be so great. Yeah. I loved that. Yeah. So that's, that's the second part. And then at the end, um, at the end of each cycle phase chapter, there are recipes for, to follow. And everything that you kind of, all of your recipes, they follow a kind of hormone balancing hormone stabilizing formula I guess could you tell us like what makes up a happy hormone plate and what the importance are of like macro and micronutrients in relation to our hormones yeah so it's really important to kind of have a balance of all of them um I I don't like to cut out one whole macronutrient um so it's it's all about stabilizing your your blood sugar and um, balancing each meal with a healthy fat and a protein and a, a fiber, like a complex carbohydrate or a starchy vegetable 
like a squash and that, you know, they all align with the best foods for each phase. Um, so it's balancing your blood sugar is probably the most important part of keeping your hormones balanced. And it's also kind of something that women struggle with the most because if you don't take a conscious effort to really balance each meal, you're not, you're not going to, you're going to be on this roller coaster, you know, so you have to, you have to get it right. And it might take some time. Um, but that's why I have these recipes to help. And so it's the, the perfect plate would be avoiding processed inflammatory foods, um, sticking to low glycemic foods that aren't going to spike your, your insulin, um, avoiding refined sugar and artificial sweeteners, um, alcohol, dairy, wheat, gluten, <laughs> processed vegetable oils. Um, and this is just really going to help to keep you stable and balanced and feeling, you know, stable throughout the day. So for anyone who isn't that aware of nutrition, macronutrients are going to be the things like the fat and the protein and the complex carbs. And then the micronutrients are the like the nutrients from vegetables and things. Yeah, the vitamins and the and the minerals are the the micronutrients. And as we're kind of on that subject, it'd be interesting actually to hear what you found was a challenge balancing your hormones um, for when you're on a plant-based diet. But for me, I find that I'm really responsible for my health, but then I discover like something about a nutrient and I'm like, oh, it doesn't sound like I'm getting enough of that. Or I think it's quite easy to be overwhelmed and unsure of if you're getting enough nutrients on a plant-based diet. And on top of that, I have struggled with trying to balance my blood sugar when a plant-based diet can be like quite heavy and complex carbs. Even if it was just, I, I just had a discussion with um, Megan, uh, gosh, her surname's just completely gone from my head. Um, Hallett, I think it is, um, who has just re released a book. And we were talking about blood sugar on a plant-based diet. And it'd be really interesting to hear your opinion because um, I just think that it varies for different people and it'd just be good to hear what you have to say. But what do you think about, when it comes to balancing blood sugar on a plant-based diet, there are a lot of carbohydrates there. Do you think we need to be mindful if we're having a meal that includes beans and rice? So like a, I don't know, a bean curry of some sort that had rice, or do we need to be careful when we're mixing sweet potatoes with beans because they're both starchy like what's your feeling on that because sometimes I can do that and feel fine and other times I feel really like my blood sugar's been affected and I'm not sure as of yet where my happy where my happy balance is yeah I, d I think it's really easy to overdo it on the carbs and it is sort of figuring out what works best for you um, there are many occasions where I I will choose one or the other and I'll keep it like a half cup or less um, if that makes sense. So sometimes I don't need the black beans and the rice. Maybe I just need the black beans, um, to get the protein and the fiber and, and the complex carb. Um, but if you want to, you know, yeah, in, in a soup or a, a stew or a curry, I'm sure it's more difficult, but also you, 
if you add in all of the vegetables and like, I always include a lot of leafy greens. Um, and that seems to help stabilize. So I think the more greens, the better, the more, um, vegetables, the better, and maybe stick to like zucchini and asparagus and like butternut squash. If you find that you're having a meal with like beans and maybe you want to cut back a little bit. Um, I know it's kind of like, it's hard to figure out your happy medium, but I think start doing less, less is more, maybe, um, like a half cup or less of, of quinoa or brown rice. Um, and I also love tempeh and tofu. Like those are pretty low carbohydrate kind of protein options. Yeah. I guess my, I, maybe I'll come back to that, but one of my challenges is because I don't eat, um, soy products because Mm -hmm. they're, is kind of conflicting data around about whether phytoestrogens help estrogen dominance or worsen it. And mm-hmm. um, I find that it worsens my symptoms. So I have some miso um, in my menstrual phase because I know that's recommended. Um, but I don't really have any of the other soy products sometimes I might have temper but it will be like literally once in the whole month so that kind of makes it a little bit more challenging because most of my protein will be coming from beans um Mm -hmm. or you know some some of the grains have more protein in it um so it is it's interesting to hear like you, you would generally see how you felt but also maybe be mindful of pairing them together Right. Like maybe try choose one or the other and, you know, switch it off for lunch and dinner, maybe like switch them. Um, I know that is difficult. The soy thing, I think I really only try and eat soy in the menstrual or the follicular phase. Like you had said, you had miso in the menstrual phase. So I know it is difficult. Do you have a hard time with like edamame? I kind of don't really eat it. I just ruled it out. So I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not too sure. Um, yeah. But I know, but yeah, for the endometriosis community, it's just really confusing because they're really just not sure at the moment. The data is so conflicting. And because endometriosis is a condition that causes like higher levels of estrogen um, a lot, of people with endometriosis will have estrogen dominance Mm -hmm. and then if we then kind of increase our estrogen levels we're going to be worsening the endo symptoms and it endo thrives off estrogen Mm -hmm. and then endo is also making its own estrogen ironically so it I don't know if it's endometriosis I don't know if it's endo specific like I wonder if people who have estrogen dominance but they don't have endo are fine with adding fight phytoestrogens and actually it works for them as some of the studies say it's beneficial but then I wonder if more of the community who have endo maybe they're the ones who are reacting worse I'm not sure um so I just kind of stay clear of it as much as possible so I'm not even really sure anymore you know which kind of soy product would trigger me but I'm so fearful of like worsening my symptoms or worsening the growth of endo that I just kind of stay away from it. Right. Right. I don't blame you. I think even those with, with estrogen dominance, um, I do recommend for them to, you know, avoid soy 
as much as possible and maybe just try it in the menstrual phase and see if it affects them. But I know it's, it's difficult. (laughs) Yeah, it's tough just as a, yeah, someone who eats plant-based, I think, yeah, trying to work out what, what's, um, a good option for protein. I think there's loads of options for protein for plant-based people, but when it comes to like trying to balance, you know, with blood sugar, it can be a bit more tricky. Um, Mm -hmm. so in terms of like going back to, I guess like I asked two questions in one, but going back to like the nutrients that we were talking about, the micronutrients and making sure we're getting enough of the right nutrients. What kind of deficiencies should we be aware of and what nutrients are essential to keep on top of when it comes to our hormone health and our our well-being because you did a great section on that and I've never really seen I don't know I've never really seen that in a book I feel like a lot of the emphasis is on like oh you have enough protein and then and you know b12 and then there's other like nutrients that are just completely skimmed over and they're so essential for us Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So we do see a lot of magnesium deficiency, a lot of B vitamin deficiency, zinc, um, vitamin D, selenium and iodine, um, iron. It You really, the thing I love about eating for your cycle is that each phase focuses on the nutrients that you need um, to support your hormone fluctuations. And this also means that you're getting a variety so you don't have to worry am I getting enough of this or this or that um so yeah the b vitamins especially b12 and b6 and b9 which is folate um these are so important for for your liver support and to detox the excess estrogen um, and help to synthesize progesterone Um, And these are just amazing for PMS. So really in the luteal phase is when we focus on a lot of the B vitamins. Um, And then magnesium is like the wonder mineral. It's, it's amazing. And I think all women need more, more magnesium, the more magnesium, the better. Um, It's responsible for over 300 chemical reactions in the body. And it's really like the go-to treatment for, for any kind of period problem. Um, just because we we're inundated with so much stress and magnesium is one of the first things to be flushed out, um, when you're stressed. So, and then vitamin D, I think we really all need to be getting more vitamin D, um, just because people are avoiding sun and which I understand, but you know, we need vitamin D for, for mood and for cognitive function and calcium absorption and for memory. So that's one to look at. And, and zinc, this is when we, we focus zinc in the follicular phase um, to nourish your growing follicles. And it's, it's a powerful mineral um, for period health and for skin health and for estrogen production. So that's one to look at. And then iodine and selenium. You really want to pair these together for your thyroid health and not just take one or the other um, just to avoid any kind of um, thyroid issues, especially if you have them. So those are imperative for thyroid function and for immunity. Um, 
and and then iron, especially if you have um, heavy periods. So we focus on iron in the menstrual phase and just to replenish. Um, and it's it's really essential for hormone production and to carry oxygen throughout the body. Um, and then probiotics, I'm still iffy about them just because I, I don't know if they've really helped me that much, but I think they do help a lot of women. Um, and a DHA for the healthy um, omegas. And usually it's algae derived, like mm-hmm. for vegans. So that's important to fight inflammation and for mood support and brain health. Um, and then just to go a step further, like for liver support, there's um, calcium D glutarate and milk thistle and dandelion tea. And those are not, you know, things that we're deficient in, but those can really help with, with estrogen metabolism. So I think with following each phase of your cycle and getting a variety, it's, we don't have to worry as long as you're eating, you know, a lot of greens and veggies. And this is really going to help and put, give you some peace of mind, (laughs) you know, when you're, when you're going along through each phase. Yeah. So B12, though, you would need a supplement for that, right? Because B12, we can't really get that from anything unless it's fortified mm-hmm. as as plant-based eaters. Am I right in that, saying that? Right. So it does come from the soil and and then those people who eat animal products will get it from that. So yeah, we do. I do um, recommend like a B complex just uh-huh. to get all of the B vitamins, but it is something that vegans need to be aware of okay and then the vitamin d would that be would that be the same because i can't i could be wrong i just can't think off the top of my head that there are sources of vitamin d in plant-based foods am i right right it's it's very hard to get vitamin d from plant foods um so definitely take in a supplement for that too okay that's really helpful and i wonder What's your thoughts on this? When, obviously, like the, we're going to go through like the phases of the cycle and the foods to eat, but do you feel that there's enough variety within, like, because obviously you were saying you don't need to worry, you're getting, you're like getting enough, but sometimes I feel like, for example, the menstrual phase, there's not like a huge list of stuff to eat. So when I first started on like, woman code for example like your your list has more that I can eat now but uh, ironically and really annoyingly I obviously I, I don't eat soy and I really really hate seaweed and mushrooms like absolutely hate them um <laughs> I am trying to get like better with um seaweed because of like thyroid health mm-hmm. um but mushrooms seem to be something that I just can't get my head around because I just can't I'm just yeah I've tried so many times so that really restricts that week and so I feel like I'm not getting enough you know I'm not getting enough variety of vegetables and stuff um do you think it's about like filling gaps with other foods um or is it like a hundred percent foods for that phase? 
No, you really have to make it work for you, especially if you don't like a food. Like, don't even worry about adding in something else just to make you feel good and balanced. Um, it's I try and think of it as like a 70-30, you know, trying to to follow the, the cycle phases in the foods because sometimes it's difficult and I'm not perfect at all. Um, I definitely don't eat perfectly for each phase, but you have to make it work for you. And I think there are like, like kale and beets you could focus on. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely do that. Yeah, I know it's hard, but have you ever tried like, um, with mushrooms, like chopping them up so small that you can hardly even taste it. That might be an option. So I've tried them as, I don't know if you have them in the US, but in the UK we've we've like kind of got a thing about mushroom mints. So I have tried to kind of like mince our mushrooms um, with a food processor and like have them as like a mince, but I still couldn't like it almost like causes me to gag as I'm eating (laughs) but what I can eat is um there's some really like lovely pea protein mushroom sausages um that they sell over here I just obviously don't I don't eat them like that's kind of something I just I save Mm -hmm. it at the weekend because it is like they're still processed even though they're like pea protein and stuff like um they're still processed and I'm not sure like what the quality of the oil is that they use in the stuff. So I don't want to like up my inflammation by eating like vegan mushroom sausages every day, but, right. and they, they also have like jackfruit mushroom burgers over here. So that's fine. I can eat those, but they are, um, they're the kind of like my kind of like weekend food stuff. Some, they're not really, I don't eat any processed food during the week. I'm very much like cook everything myself. Um, but yeah, everything that I've tried to do with mushrooms, I've not been able to get down with, except if I make like a homemade gravy from scratch, I can deal with cooking mushrooms in them. And then I pick mushrooms out for myself. <laughs> and my boyfriend <laughs> loves mushrooms. So he loves having like a really mushroomy gravy, but I don't know if I'll be getting any of the goodness from the mushrooms like soaked into the gravy itself. Yeah, I think, I think you might be getting a little bit, but I wouldn't worry too much. I don't want you to like force yourself to to eating, to be eating mushrooms. I think try and focus on the other things like kale, beets, um, blueberries, like the really dark berries, um, cranberries, blackberries, and then the black beans and the kidney beans. And I think that is more than enough. Like I think you're doing so great for your cycle already. Um, and don't stress about it too much. You know, you can do the flax seed, you can do the pumpkin seeds, you can do tamari. Um, you said you do a little bit of miso. Yeah. So I think there's like plenty of other foods that you should try and focus on instead of trying to force yourself to eat the things that you don't like because that's not fun. And then you're just gonna like dread it even more. <laughs> yeah, that's so helpful. Like, because I think. I got into a really good place with eating for endo and then I Mm -hmm. discovered like um cycle kind of sink in and it just like what you said it threw you off in the beginning and I still feel like I haven't got into my flow and because when you are when you have a condition 
you obviously want to make sure that you're doing what you can to ensure that your symptoms don't come back if you manage to get them like just like I imagine you do like you would you're cautious about doing certain things that might cause them to come back and so when there's like a protocol that I want to follow especially when you don't have like one-on-one help like from a coach for example and you're just reading it from a book it can get really like anxiety inducing because I'm like oh if I I'm now eating this way and I've got to like relearn how to balance that for endo for example some of the fruits I can't eat because they're too sugary for me mm-hmm. yeah it can just create some anxiety around yeah like oh if I'm missing that stuff is it going to have like a detrimental effect and when you're on your own and in your head about that and you're fearful that a symptom might come back especially something so bad as extreme pain um yeah it can just it can just make you worry about these things and I don't want to sound paranoid but I want to ask these questions because if I'm wondering them then other people will wonder them right so totally and I don't want you to worry too much I think when you worry it it just creates even more more problems so even if you do one thing, I think that's amazing. Like even just knowing what phase you're in as a woman, I think is, is amazing. And sometimes it's enough, um, just to be aware of it, that mind body connection. So be being, um, more gentle on yourself and doing what works for you, because obviously we want to all eat perfectly and we want to eat all of the foods that are best for each phase, but sometimes that just isn't going to work out. Um, so even just doing one thing is, is going to help. Um, I think keeping that in mind will maybe take, take some of the pressure off, you know? Yeah, for sure. No, that's really helpful. And you're right. I, I kind of eat everything else that I can eat on that list. And, um, and I also have like mushroom powders, like, you know, like your lion's mane and cordyceps and things. So, yeah. um, I love those that they help me so much with my kind of like brain function, um, and energy. So that's great. Um, and yeah, it's just so helpful to hear that there's flexibility in it and you can add in other vegetables from other phases. Like it's, that's fine. Oh yeah, totally. This episode is sponsored by my friends at BU. BU are the people helping you to reduce your period pain with nature. They provide quality, pure CBD balms, drops and sprays, as well as their incredible period patches, which you guys know I love. Some of you have asked what's the best way to get the most out of your patches. Just like most things with endometriosis, everyone is different. So you need to find a method that works for you. But many have written in to say that they find applying the patches a day or so before their period helps to soothe and calm the inflammation before their period even starts, creating like a greater effect when it does arrive. I tend to wear them one to two days before my period so that I can get, um, well, I I get a bit of backache. So that really helps to ease that. And as a result, I find that the pain is much, if I get pain, it's a lot more subtle when my period does start. They come in a pack of five, so should last for the majority of your period. And you can subscribe so you can get them every month. They're $6.99 for a pack or $4.99 if you go for a subscription. 
to shop, just head to the link in my show notes and start soothing period cramps the natural way. This episode is also sponsored by my free endometriosis diet grocery list. This download gives you basically a lowdown of what I eat every week on um, a monthly basis and my personal take on the endometriosis diet. It's not a protocol, set protocol that you have to or should follow, but it is here to serve you, give you inspiration and help you see what eating for endometriosis might look like in real life. It's there for you to kind of take inspiration from and help you put your own approach together. To download it, just head to my show notes and follow the link to get your free copy. In case anyone who's listening isn't sure, it would be really great if you could talk about like going over like the plant-based sources of protein because I know that this is such a big sticking point for and obviously this isn't an episode about veganism at all but it is a concern for people and also um, most of the anti-inflammatory diets do emphasize reducing red meat and upping um, our plant you know um, our plant consumption even like Dr Jessica Drummond who leads my course that I'm doing She's a women's health expert and um, her course is all about women's hormonal health. And she really advocates for like uh, kind of like an in-between of like paleo and plant-based. But she's like always leaning more towards the plants. And even the fact that she knows she talks about eating steak and stuff like that. She's still like for an anti-inflammatory diet, always lean more towards the plants. Mm -hmm. I do. I do know some I haven't had anyone on yet, but I do know some hormone experts who like advocate for like organ meats and things like that I don't know anything about that um but in terms of the plant-based side of things if anyone does want to lean more towards eating plant-based foods to reduce the inflammation in their body um what are really good sources of protein because I think some of them are really surprising like peas and broccoli for example yeah totally well we could go through each phase if if that is helpful, um, because protein is really important in the menstrual phase. So obviously that's when we recommend like black beans and kidney beans and tofu and edamame if you can eat it. Um, but there's also like adzuki beans, which are kind of different. And um, yeah, those are kind of the ones that we focus on for for winter. And I think black rice and wild rice and buckwheat are also great sources. Obviously, mushrooms, um, the seaweeds, if you can handle them, <laughs> and the seeds, the flax seeds, hazelnut, pumpkin seeds, chestnut, those are really great in the menstrual phase. Um, and yeah, the variety like is really important. In the follicular phase, we like to focus on lighter proteins um so things like um tempeh and like the the tofu and the fermented kind of foods but it's not something that is as important as in the menstrual phase like the follicular phase I really like to focus on the lighter greens and the the fats and the nut butters and um maybe like some quinoa or oats if you can handle it and the probiotic-rich foods like coconut yogurt and um, 
vinegars, like lots of light salads and um, all the avocado too, broccoli, carrots, sprouts. Um, I know those are not all protein rich, but just going through the foods for each phase. Mm. And same with the, with the ovulatory, I like to focus on lentils. Um, like what are they called? Um, not the golden lentils, but I, I can't think of it right now, but the split peas are great. And quinoa is really great for protein in the ovulatory phase. And in the luteal phase, I love to focus on the white beans. So chickpeas and cannellini beans and northern beans. Um, yeah, those are, and the pumpkin and like sweet potato can be good sources too. So yeah, I mean, there's so much, there's so much protein in there. And what's really funny is that I, I always end up going over my protein limit for a day. Mm -hmm. Like whenever I do like just sometimes I just want to check and make sure that I'm still like eating enough like of protein and fat and I kind of add it up and I'm like okay there's nothing to worry about here I'm eating like plenty of protein um even though I you know people will like I've had like discussions with people where they're like no you're not getting enough protein and I'm like, well I can tell you I do like gram for gram I can <laughs> tell you exactly how much I'm getting um but yeah clearly there's lots of protein in the in the protocol so you mentioned kind of a few of the kind of fruits and veggies um that are listed in each phase but did you want to take us through like each phase and what we need nutritionally at that time and kind of the types of foods to include mm-hmm. yeah definitely um so yeah in the menstrual phase you really want to work on replenishing and restoring so things that are going to restore your your blood because you are losing blood so I love to eat a lot of beets and I include them in my morning smoothies um so I'll do like beets and kale and um cucumber if I feel like I need to flush out some water um so this is are really great food menstrual phase and just um like soups and stews like a miso soup or a broth of some kind with vegetables in it um very warming and comforting and soothing and things that are going to like warm up your uterus just to make it maybe help eliminate some of the cramping if you experience any um these are really going to help um so if you do eat fruit, if you can, if it doesn't spike your blood sugar too much, I think cranberries, watermelon, grapes, these are like water rich kind of foods or fruits. I mean, um, blackberries and then black and brown rice are great. So these are all, if you notice, like very rich, dark in color, reds and blacks and like dark greens. And these are really great during your period. Um, and it makes sense too, because, you know, I think of the blood and you really want to like replenish your blood Yeah, yeah. with dark foods. And then we move into the follicular phase, which is spring. And this is kind of when our energy is starting to rise and we like to focus on lighter, more energizing foods and including a lot of healthy fats to nourish your growing follicles, but also 
doing like lighter lettuces instead of kale, maybe doing a romaine or like a butter lettuce or whatever kind of lighter lettuce that you like and doing a a salad with like avocado or maybe steamed broccoli and carrots and broccoli sprouts are so great for detoxing. Yeah. For detoxing your excess estrogen that is definitely rising in this phase. Um, And I love to do like a lot of lemons and limes in my salad dressings with vinegar and like pumpkin seeds and flax seeds and cashews and raw sauerkraut, things that are really going to set up your digestion for the rest of the month. Um, and just support because you do have a little bit of energy. You don't need as heavy um, as of foods, you know. So if you're going to have grains, do like a lighter, a quinoa of some sort, you know, or oats. Um And then in the ovulatory phase, which is summer, this is when I say you can eat all the raw fruits and veggies that you want because you, your body can handle it. And it also helps with glutathione, um, which helps to rid of excess estrogen, which can also, you really want to prepare your body for the luteal phase and try and get out as much excess estrogen as you can. Mm -hmm. So if you want to do like more green juices in this phase and more raw salads and fruits um this is the time to do it so I like to do arugula salads with like turmeric dressing and things that are anti-inflammatory um I do like to do smoothies and juices and like stir fries with bell peppers and sometimes I'll do dandelion greens if I'm feeling (laughs) um up to it because I know they can be very bitter yeah I like the tea I do drink dandelion tea the tea right the, that's a good option too uh, and then I like to do coconut on everything I love coconut so yeah that's the time to do like the raw fruits and veggies and then we move into the fall the autumn phase which is luteal phase I think it's my most favorite because of the the foods that are yeah <laughs> that I can eat I love all the you know? sweet potatoes and yeah just the root veg I'm so into root veg yeah me too like the roasted cauliflower I just devour it's so good <laughs> um so pumpkin sweet potato brussels sprouts cabbage um and then like apples and pears and fruits that are lower are so great tahini I mean there's so many yummy ways you can cook these up and support all the B vitamins and sort of the the sweet potatoes have like the natural sugars to help combat cravings. Um, yeah, so those are those are the foods that you can fluctuate through. That's amazing. Thank you so much. And for people who this is completely new to and you know their hormones, they feel like their hormones are out of whack. How many? kind of like how long would you say for them to give to see results from the protocol? Yeah, I always say at least three months. Give yourself a chance because of the 100-day journey. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but your follicles take 100 days to mature. So if you're having like a really difficult period, I always like to say, think back three months. Were you having a difficult month? Were you not sleeping as good? Were you not eating as good? Um, 
Were you really stressed out? So always give your body at least three months because that's when you're, you'll start to notice a change because you're getting those fresh follicles, <laughs> you know, that are, have matured from three months ago. So I think people can probably notice a difference though, just how they feel. Um, maybe their period isn't improving as much in the first month, but I think when you start to balance your blood sugar and eating in that way, you automatically feel more balanced. Yeah. And maybe not on the roller coaster of the anxiety and the, the cravings. So when you improve your eating habits, you're going to feel better almost immediately, but your period may take three months to improve. Yeah, no, I agree. When I balance, I feel like I keep falling off balance in blood sugar at the moment. But when I, when I do, I feel so much, so much better, so much more stable and clear headed and, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, just much more energized. Thank you so much for coming on for like anyone struggling like with their hormone health right now what kind of could you share like what would be the top three most important tips to get started if they obviously they can follow the guide which is great but if there was like a couple of key things you would pick out of the guide as being like the best way to start what would you suggest Mm -hmm. I think the number one thing is just to start recognizing and sort of make the mind-body connection of where you are in your cycle because I still get so many messages and even my friends like still don't understand what phase they're in and um, I think there's so many resources now where and apps where you can track your cycle and it's like easier than ever but making that connection will improve your intuition and just strengthen it within yourself. So that's like my number one is just learn more about your menstrual cycle and, you know, teach yourself and and make the connection. And then the the other thing is to reduce the amount of endocrine disruptors that you are exposed to because we are exposed to more chemicals and toxins now than our grandparents were ever exposed to in their whole lives. Um, You know, and it's, I don't think people understand like the magnitude that we are exposed to every day. So if you can do your part at home and try and reduce it as much as you can and focus on the natural products for beauty, for cleaning your home, um, just the types of oils that you use, um, it can really make a big difference. And it kind of takes a conscious effort. It can, it can take some time to like, buy all your new makeup and and your cleaning products but it really makes such a big difference and it can take such a load off of your body and you'll feel so much better um and then yeah just try supporting your digestion and elimination obviously but also sinking your food in your workouts i think makes a big difference and will improve your relationship with your body and just it sort of offers like a, what's the word, something you can rely on, like a plan, but it also isn't the same thing every week. You know, sometimes we get bored. So having this plan like really keeps me in line, but also I don't get bored because it's, it's changing and my workouts are changing and my foods are changing. So I think that it seems like a lot at first, but, um, it really makes a difference in the end. And, 
can feel so much better immediately. And, and it's kind of fun to follow along and be so in, in tune with, with your body and where you are and feeling like I'm supporting it as best as I can today with this workout or this meal. Um, yeah, those are, those are kind of my tips. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much. I really think that people are going to get a lot from this interview and the nutrients and yeah, macro micronutrients. I don't think we've really ever gone into them that deeply or have discussed like how to do this from a plant-based perspective. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on. It's been such an honor and I love the book. I absolutely love the book and it's kind of like my new, my new go-to guide for hormone health. So thank you for writing it. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you so much. Um, where can people find the book? Yeah, it's on Amazon. I think it's on sale right now, but Amazon, like any major bookstore, um, Barnes and Noble, Target, Walmart. Um, I think it's indiebooks.com. Yeah, there's anywhere you can buy books. You can buy it. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much for coming on. And yeah, I hope you have a great day. Thank you. I had so much fun talking to you and I hope you have a great day too. Thank you. Take care. <laughs> you too. So that's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, you can head to my website which is www.thisendolife.com and you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website Um, I've put the link in my show notes it's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis As always, if you like this show, please rate, review and or subscribe. It really, truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis. This episode was produced by The Pod Farm. Whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started, visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world. (laughs) 